Hey everyone, it's your host Alex Kessler. I'm here talking about our sponsor, that is Wizardry Foundry. This episode is brought to you by Wizardry Foundry, the maker of the Grimoire deck box. Save the shoe box for something else. Store your cards in the Grimoire deck box, a deck box that looks and feels like a spellbook. Order your Grimoire and Grimoire Pro Tour today with the code MMCastFeb5. That's MMCastFeb5 to get 25% and enter into the raffle for a chance to win our brand new Pandora deck box, a fully customizable 3D printed deck box. I got one that looks like an X-Wing. It's pretty sweet. You can actually just go buy them now, but if you use the code to buy the Grimoire or Grimoire Pro Tour deck box, you have a chance to win it for free. So go check them out at http shop.wizardryfoundry.com and I will see you guys after the intro music. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the official worst set in the history of magic <laughs> review. Wait, would you... Would, I guess of the reviews we're going to do, we're no, not going to do... Because we're not going to do Homelands. Or Fallen Empire, Or any of those sets. Yeah. No, so this, this is, might... Well, they, like, they could print a terrible set, And I it's guess. not really a review. This is what we're doing is we're doing top 10 cards from Comic Yellow Block. Yes. And which, it's... Which you don't like, apparently. No, but there's... I mean, there are good cards in Comic Yellow Block. I do. So, like... Do you want to? Uh, we were we were talking about this before. I want to break down your rating of every block in modern. Yeah. So okay. So before we we will do that. Give us give us stick with us. But before we do that, we should get everything out of the way. First of all, we're on Twitter. We um, are at the MM Cast. You yeah. should follow me at S- at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media, uh, and you guys can like share your thoughts and, and yeah. whatnot and critique. Oh, I also have a Twitch stream now. That's kind of the Matt the MM Cast Twitch stream at the Is same it? time. Yeah, Xander five seven four. Oh, that's cool. Go check it out. Um, yeah, and we have a sister podcast, The Command Zone, also on RocketJump.com, where you can find our podcast. They do yep. Commander content. That's Jimmy Wong and Josh Lee Kwai. They are super awesome. Yeah. Um, they have a great, great product. Um, I guessed it on a podcast this week. Did you? Did. O2 Drop. Yeah. They, uh, were formerly associated with MTG Focus series, and they just launched their own slightly more kind of fun, little less spiky type of deal. And uh, yeah, we got to talk about uh, what my perfect modern format, like with bannings, would look like. They interviewed me. It was really crazy. Weird. It was cool. What what, what would be your perfect format without bannings? Uh, well, or which we, cards would you unban? Yeah, it was like sort of the gist of it was like I'd give it a year, then I'd take Splinter Twin off. I'd immediately unban Blood Raid Elf. I, depending on how that went, I would consider Ancestral Visions, but I wouldn't want to see like that run into, like cascading into it. Um, Stoneforge Mystic comes off immediately. I think all of the unfun games taking too long cards you leave off, so... I still think like top needs to stay banned. The eggs cards, sort of the meek, seething song, sort of the meek's right on the edge for me. Okay, uh, but I don't think unbanning sort of the meek does anything to make the format more fun. I think it slows it down and just homogenizes what decks do because it's too easy to fit that into your into your deck. Sure. So I don't think that would be very much fun, um, especially if you were going to unban Stoneforge Mystic. Oh yeah, no, um, I don't think both of those. I mean, we've talked about this yeah. before. But okay, so Deathright stays banned. Um, that's kind of the gist of it. Okay. And if they want to hear more about that, they go to... Yeah, you go find out uh, O2Drop. I think O2Drop.com, I think, is where you can find it. Okay. But, uh, they were, iTunes. Yeah, they were great. Likely. Yeah, yeah, they're all over the place. Uh, they, were, they were really awesome, so so check that out. Cool. And last but not least, we have a Patreon, guys. And uh, some of you guys have donated, and it's 
amazing and we're super excited we're yeah. almost at the 400 dollars mark and once we get to 500 we'll do live streams once a month that you guys could watch no, no i think you're wrong i think it's live streaming video weekly once we get to 500 no it's once a month are you sure yeah okay yeah uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but i will say this because we had a conversation last week on the podcast with Tolarian community college and the professor uh and we were talking about just like patreon accounts and how now in in podcasting and especially in magic podcasting I mean, we all, for the most part, are doing something like this, you know, from from a Patreon our, or a Kickstarter. Well, or and also like providing content like this largely from the privacy of a personal studio or a home or something like that. And it, you know, all of us want help making this happen. The thing is, what maybe people don't realize is that even though we get to be featured on Wizards.com sometimes, and like we rocket jump, yeah, like we we still make zero dollars. Oh, yeah, this is all this. out of pocket. Like. Yeah, we just do this, and we take the time to do the editing ourselves, and and we love it. And you know, when we go to tournaments, we, like if we we have a playmat, you know, we made the playmat ourselves. It cost us exactly what it would cost to sell one of you guys a playmat. Um, so the point is, the reason we started a Patreon is because we love the content. We've gotten a lot of support from you guys on Twitter and iTunes, asking for more of it. To do more of it, we do need to hire like a producer and a video editor to do it at the level we'd like to, uh, which is... Well, yeah, I mean, like, eventually, and and this is a later thing, and I don't even think we have it there, but I want to get to the level that Jimmy and Josh are at of doing, like, video content every week, and, like, we don't have the talent or the finances to be able to pay an editor to do that for us, so that's kind of one of our eventual future goals, and we also want to do cool videos, and we want to live stream, and we want to live stream the audio, and, like, that all takes some amount of money that we just don't have yet, and it'd be cool if we could do that stuff for you guys. Yeah, so the reason, Professor just reminded us that a lot of people are not aware of that, because we have the affiliation with a larger company like Rocket Jump, people would assume that, you know, this is this big, big highfalutin organization, but actually, it's just Kessler and Bateman just sitting here being like, this is what's sweet about Grand Architect. When we say we were in a kitchen, we were were in a kitchen, because we were homeless. You can check my Instagram account, it's just us (laughs) sitting there in a kitchen. Uh, but yeah, guys, so patreon.com uh, slash, the slash the MMcast. It's also linked on rockjump.com's yeah. website where you find us generally. So and if you, it'd be if really you, appreciated, even like a dollar. Yeah, well, and the deal is if anybody, in case like you guys know this from last time, uh, your first, there's a swag box option. I think it's 50 bucks a month. But the deal is the first month you do that, we send you a Masters of Modern Playmat. That's the first item you get. And then subsequently, you get other cool signed items yep. and things that have monetary value. They're not just going to be like Cracker Jacks. But generally, at a bare minimum, it'll be a $25 value, depending on give or take five. Yeah, and then uh, aside from that, uh, personalized deck techs and deck doctors of your guys' ideas on the on the podcast and things like that. That's five dollars a month. So that's the sort of like the that's the bread and butter uh, for most people who listen and want more content. They want to be able to get all the extra stuff. It's basically five bucks a month. So help us out if you can. Otherwise, keep listening to the podcast and let's talk about how yeah. crappy. If you Comic can't, just kind of tweet at us on on Twitter yeah. all the time. That's generally where we'll, you'll find us. All right, so Comic Out Block. Yeah. So this is like your least favorite modern block. Yeah. So all right. So like this is what I was saying to Kessler before we started. So we've we've had modern legal sets since 03. The first one is Mirrodin block all the way up until the soon to be released Shadows Over Innistrad. And we've revisited planes and we've reused mechanics. We've had core sets. I do. I do honestly wish we started in the year 2000. I wish Wizards just did it from... Mercadia Masks? It was the set before that, I think. Oh, well, you could Or I guess the first set of Mercadia Masks was 2000. You Because if you'd done that, then you would have had to deal with Wizard, with uh, Urza's block. Oh, sure, yeah. Start with Mercadia Masks. Start yeah. with the year 2000. Yeah. That's like the beginning of the millennium. I think that's where it should have started. Yeah, I mean, you can divide magic into like... There's definitely a chunk of design that exists between Mercadian Masks up until Onslaught block that is like... When people ask me like, oh, what's your podcast about? I'm like, oh, it's just every magic set from the year 2000. Because it's way easier than being like... Oh, from three? Two, 2003? Because that's when Mirrodin came out. And yeah, right. I mean, you have to explain what a format is if they don't know what that is. So it's 
a hole. That's a hole. I did that today for someone, and it was exhausting. I've done it with my girlfriend several times. She she tracks the word modern, though. If I say the word modern in any context, she's like, oh, that's your podcast. But I'm like, well, you know, there's modern art. There's a lot of things. Oh, modern. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Whitney's uh, finally recognizing the Wizards of the Coast coverage team. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. She knows Rich Hagan <laughs> yep. and Brian David Marshall. <laughs> Um, all right. Anyway, so uh, if you go through step by step and trying to establish what makes Kamigawa block, and for the record, if you love Kamigawa block, I like a lot of stupid things in Magic too that aren't good. So, uh, <laughs> like zero zero judgment. Like I talk about uh, Grand Architect and Spell Scout way too much, and like a lot of people. Well, here's are- so here's my thing of Kamigawa block. I'm a big like I like a lot of Japanese culture. Yeah. Like I grew up kind of on it, and that's you know part of my life. And there are parts of Kamigawa. Kamigawa block that are really sweet. I would love a set that's like ninjas and samurais and even some spirits, but you know, like the layer of like legendary plus arcane plus spirits above like all the cool snake and rat tribal. Like half of this set block is sweet, and half this block is just this muck, mechanical muck that I don't want to deal with. There's like well, okay, like so. So we will explain set by set here, sort of like where they rank on a scale of one to ten, like just the, the general block. But like the thing about Kamigawa block that bothers me so much, I think about when I read a card that seems complicated and how many seconds I will give it before I just like move on to the next card, unless like I specifically have been told this this card is a tournament staple and you need to know about it. But if I'm just scrolling through a database and I come across a card, maybe where I don't recognize the name too much. Every single one of the Kamigawa flip cards, for for the most part, is just like I don't want to deal with this. I'm like this is the <laughs> u- this is the ugliest, po- like most poorly executed idea. Well, like and there's also like there's the mechanic where blue had a you return X amount of lands to your hand to do an effect mechanic. Yeah, and it's just like a brick of text that's the entire card and l- not worth my time. Yeah, right, exactly. And they're not powerful. There's the fact that like okay, great example here. So compare comparing to Time Spiral Block, which is my all time favorite block. And the suspend mechanic, which for those of you who don't know what suspend is, suspend is a deal. It's like an alternative casting cost where you would pay. You're you're paying time for mana. Well, you just let's just say that the hard cast on a five five creature is five. You would maybe pay one and put it exiled from the game with a die, and you would remove a counter every upkeep until it had zero, and then it would be cast. So it's just delaying when you get it. The point is, there's not a lot of cards that have ever been printed that interact with suspend and cards that are in exile with suspend counters. So if you're going to build something in modern or casual with that theme. You're very restricted to what was printed in that block. The well, same but can I be- mean, suspend also is a mechanic that doesn't inherently require you to have synergy with it because right. you could just cast a good card just on turn one. You cast it for one, and then you won't get it for five turns. Like the, the thing like, is, where this yeah. relates to Kamigawa block is the same idea can be said for Spirit and Arcane because they've never printed any support for that mechanic outside of the set. Now, that's not to say that it's- there are some spirits, but like the Arcane issue is you can't use Arcane cards without other Arcane cards, right? So you have you're stuck with everything that was designed in this one block. So that's like where the first problem is is that if you're reading through the cards, it's like, okay, that's an issue. Then you have these these kind of ugly flip cards that don't make a whole lot of sense. Then you have the whole like legendary things matter theme, which at the time made a bit more sense, but now Well the the issue you run into is every single rare card is like a name of a person and and not only that it's like a a Japanese based name, so it's like a complicated name that's hard to say and they all sound the same. So I literally like can't tell the difference between anyone. Yeah, and like they just they swung for the fences in terms of flavor. From a flavor standpoint, it is the most flavorful set ever designed. Like the thing is dripping with flavor. That's all it is. I mean, everything from snakes to samurai to rats. I'd say Innistrad is more flavorful. Spirits. I, no, because Innistrad like still every interacts. card is a reference to something. 
But interact, but like Innistrad still interacts with the rest of like. But that magic. doesn't mean you're not flavorful. It's when you when you when cards exist and you feel like you're reading them, you're like the point of this card is to make me feel this way, not to be consistent or interesting with the rest of Magic's history, but just just to make me feel this way about this one piece of culture. That's only that's the only reason I would pay attention to me. That is like I think they heavy handed I think they flavor. sacrificed gameplay for flavor right. in in Kamigawa. I think Innistrad blended gameplay and flavor together perfectly. Like okay, so if we're gonna go one to ten, like just really quickly, block by block, where we would sort of just rank them. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the block you rank it in your opinion. Okay, and this All is right. so so in this scale, ten is perfect, zero is a total fail, five is dead average, and this is considering. Not like just the limited environment or like the modern appeal. It's for me, it's just like the way that I regard the cards in that set in general over time. It is a little bit weighted towards constructed though. Yeah, weighted towards constructed. How they and how the cards in the set interact with other cards that are still being printed and have been printed. All right. So starting Scars of Mirror Block. Scars of Mirror Block? Sorry, regular Mirror Block. Solid eight, eight and a half. Okay. Uh, Skipping Kamigawa Block because the rules. Um, Ravnica. A nine. The only reason it's not a ten is because I think some of the multicolored cards they didn't understand how to balance the power yet, and I think it suffers a little bit for that reason. All right, uh, time's for a block. Perfect ten. All right, uh, Lorwyn, just the first, first two. First Morning Tide, like a five. Right, Shadowmore. Shadowmore Eventide, like that's like a seven and a half. Okay, um, maybe a seven. Shards of Alara. Uh, a weird one, a little lower for me, like six, six and a half. All right, Zendikar. Seven uh, Worldwake and Rise push Zendikar way up for me. I guess we got the fetch lands and some landfall, so maybe like seven point eight. All right, uh, Scars of Mirrodin. Six. Uh, no, no. New Phyrexia is like a ten, and the rest of it is like a five, so seven point <laughs> five. Uh, Innistrad. Weird because the the limited so good, but Avacyn restored such a bad set, and Dark Ascension is such a mediocre set. Like, but from constructive purposes, Avacyn gives you Grizzlebrand. Yes, I'm going to give it like a six. Okay. Well, I love Innistrad, but not for construction. All right. Uh, what was that for Innistrad? Innistrad block was followed immediately by... RTR. Return, Return of the Raptica. Like nine and a half. Okay. Uh, that was last year. Theros. Uh, four. <laughs> so Theros and... Com- or, well, we'll find out. Theros is your... Went Theros low. is a really bad set. I mean, because Born of the Gods is not good and Journey into Nyx is horrible. You don't like Journey into Nyx? Wait. Constellation is sweet. Oh, like no, no, yeah, that's the Theros better. is the one. Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, after Theros goes, the one we're in, or Kons? Kons of, yeah, Kons of Tagir. Kons is pretty sweet. Kons is like a seven or an eight. It's like, right. probably an eight. Del- I probably, Del- I probably Del- put Kons as nine, yeah. like all the way through. Like, Delves, Del's sweet. really, really awesome. The dragons are super fun. All right, last but not least, Battle for Zendikar. Uh, BFC Oath. Oh, it's not last but not least, but... Un- undecided. It, it still, still testing with all it. All right. Now, least Kamigawa block. <laughs> like a two. Like a two. Okay. Like a, like a one or a okay. two. So like, we're going to rate the top ten best cards from that set today, and then we're going to battle off the four mo- five most underrated cards from the set. The hilarious thing, though, is that the quality of the top ten cards from the block, they're actually pretty decent. Like, Well, like power levels back then was also much higher. There's some weird, there are some weird cards. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't include that. There's some weird cards that are like definitely should see more play and don't. Um, all right. I mean, let's. Do you want to just start with our with, with our ten? And well, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go through the banned cards from the set. So these like this has a pretty above average ban list yeah, from this sure. block. And so Umazaz Gite, which is arguably the second best equipment ever printed, after the other Skull uh, after Skullclamp, which is not really an equipment. I mean, yeah, Skullclamp is totally ridiculous. Uh, Blazing Shoal. Which, yep, which, like, which is just like, in fact, was printed. Blazing Shoal became too good, and it was banned after it 
won the no it didn't no, win it, it just top aided yeah, it just yeah. it was so quick and Sam it was Black against the rule yeah i would i wouldn't be surprised if this card was maybe able to be taken off the ban list I'm not saying it will be, but I like it, it. It hasn't really had a moment to survive with Abrupt Decay, and Abrupt Decay wrecks this card. It's a solid turn two kill, like a That's very true. easy, That's very true. like a very yeah, yeah, yeah. A three card okay. turn two kill. <laughs> uh, Sensei's Divining Top, one of my favorite cards. I understand why it's been takes turns yeah, forever. Top Top is consistent with like with like Second Sunrise or like. To some degree, seeding song. Now that's more just power level push, but just like things no, no. That make Second the game Sunrise, work. Top, and arguably what I think sort of the Meek are all banned, partly from a tournament logistics perspective. Of yeah. the games will last way longer if those are around. They're not fun, yeah. Um, and last but not least, Glimpse of Nature. Elves is already a really good deck. It doesn't need to have infinite card draw in one turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so top ten, number nine, uh, number ten. What's your ten? Disrupting Shoal. Okay. It's uh let's do Explain it's it. it's blue blue X counter target spell with converted mana cost X. You may remove a blue card in your hand with converted mana cost X rather than playing converted mana uh, uh blazing shoal uh disrupting shoals mana cost. So just if you have remand in hand, you can exile remand and cast disrupting shoal for two. Um it's a free counter spell. Yeah, it's, it's the closest thing to force a will. Yeah, it's it's a little janky. It's it's fun if you build the right kind of blue deck. I've seen it be played effectively before. Often decks in this format that want to play a free counter spell don't care about the next turn. So Pact of Negation is the better card. Right. But Pact of Negation you can't play on turn two, and you can play Blazing Shoal or uh, Disrupting Shoal. Sure. We had that, and you can also just hard cast Disrupting Shoal for three as yeah. a, like a bad mana leak. But sometimes you'll just get them. No, no, because it's equal to one, not unless they pay one. Oh, it's yeah. equal to what yeah, X yeah, is. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, oh. it's not that good. Um, we, we we built that cool deck uh, that if you guys go back, you can find a brew episode from like, I don't, say, I don't know, like 15, 12 or 15 episodes ago. It was that Steel of the Godhead, Geist of St. Traft, uh, blue deck. It was all about like really, really aggressive blue-white creatures and cool, and cool auras <laughs> and stuff. And I believe we had three or four of these in the deck because the curve went really, really consistently from one to three. And so you would almost always be able to cast it. And I, it seemed to work pretty well when we tested the deck. So my number 10? Yeah. Ghostly Prison. Okay, mate. I just it barely got cut from mine. So Ghostly Prison, uh, two colors and a white. It is an enchantment. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller plays two for each creature attacking you. It's one of the better like prison cards. It's because it's a prison. <laughs> yeah, it's worth like, um, I think it's worth like $12 or something, or 10, 8 or $10. I can't 16 $16? Yeah, $25 Holy for a foil. Holy yeah, I mean, like, basically, this card's great against creatures that are attacking. Right now, it's really good because um, the Eldrazi are really good, and this is a card that's pretty decent against them. Yeah. Generally, you want to be able to stop your opponent from attacking if creatures are aggressive, and this is one of the best ways in the format to do it. Yeah, that's pretty good. If you can't, I, if you can't like, go with Bridge from Below. Not Bridge from Below. Sorry. <laughs> Snaring Bridge. Snaring Bridge. Same <laughs> card. All right. <laughs> you make that mistake. All the though. bridges. Uh, all right, number nine. Uh, all right, number nine. I'm going to go with Kataki Wars Wage, the classic anti-affinity card. It is one white, one colorless for a 2-1 legendary creature, like we mentioned. Kataki's Wars Wage is his name. Um, each artifact gains a an upkeep cost of one colorless or sacrifice this artifact. So it's the perfect anti-affinity card, kind of. Um, it is really good against them. They can still often just like pay for like, and then kill you that turn. Pay for the threats and then get it at you. Yeah, I mean, also like if they have a Ravager, like that, they, they, right. they can it, just do the thing where they it, sack all of the things to it's Ravager. It's great against cranial plating. It's okay against Ravager. Yeah, um, 
it's it's really good. I mean, it's not like it's not good against them. It's people have talked about it in the past as if it's like the ultimate like I win the game card. Stony Silence is better. Yeah, Stony Silence is better. I mean, neither one of them will stop you, will stop them from just killing you the next turn if they have a, a threat that like No, Stony Silence will do that. Well, if you well, you have to be able to stop the thing that it's equipped to, I guess. But if you I can mean, get it on turn two, they can't be equipped. You know, just, they can't so, equip you know. it though. Well, uh, like if it's already equipped, and then you resolve sure. Stony Silence, it doesn't matter. But like that's a turn four Stony Silence, not a turn two. I mean, or like they try to resolve it, and in response to them casting it, you just sack all but three artifacts, put all the counters on its champion, and then attack for like nine and win. Like that works. Sure, that's still a turn. Like because it's a two drop. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. for sure. I mean, Stony uh, Silence. Stony is like, Silence is a way worse top deck than a main like open yeah. hand card. And I always end up playing... Like uh, three I, of them. <laughs> Sunny Silence, yeah. I play like three or four inside boards. All right. So my number nine is Through the Breach. Oh, really? Yeah. That's your number nine. Yeah. It's That's been doing really number. well recently because there's both the... It's done well for the, since the beginning of the format. Oh, sure. Oh, you're saying it should be higher than number Way nine. Way higher. It's, oh, oh, okay. No, no, yeah. It's number nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a four colorless, one red. It is an instant arcane, which is... One of the few times this has been relevant in Magic's history. Uh, put a creature card from your hand into play. That creature has haste. Sacrifice that creature at end of turn. Uh, you can splice it onto Arcane, which means that if you cast a different Arcane for a cheaper cost of two colorless, two red, you can cast this attached to that. Yeah, I mean, it's rarely does you actually see that happen. It has happened before. I've seen it happen in modern before. No, no, no. The disrupting shoal decks or the the green shoal decks. Oh, then you're talking about the new ones. The new ones, Rich shoal brand. Yeah, where it's you. You're literally attaching this four four mana, which is really important to the green shoal that lets you gain a bunch of life. Right. So that you then gain a bunch of life that you can then use to draw a bunch of cards with Grizzle Brand to right. through the breach, and it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, that, so... And this card's seeing a lot of play right now on Primeval Titan, Green Red, Valakut decks. It's, like, so much better than you're giving it credit for when you actually consider how fringe most of the rest of the cards on this list have been over time and, like, how how not good most of them are in a vacuum. Okay, how, I can see that. I can see me being wrong on the placement at this number nine. I mean, it's just intrinsically more powerful than most everything that's on this list. Um, all right, my next card... I don't know. <laughs> my list has some pretty... Overly played. You're going to really love my number three. I'm predicting the future. You're going to be mad about it. All right. What's your number eight? <laughs> uh, I wonder if your number three is my number four. I'll bet you it is. Um, my number eight is Kira Great Glass Spinner. Okay. I don't have that on my list. Oh, you cut her? Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, she's like, she's weird because she doesn't see the amount of play she should. She, she's generally a one of in Merfolk sometimes. Yeah. Kira is like one of those cards where for whatever reason... She doesn't end up seeing as much play as she should. And so when you're building and you come across her, you're usually like, oh my goodness, this is so good. Why am I not playing this card? Like, this is such a powerful effect. And then it's just kind of like... What is it? Like a, a, you tap out on turn three for a 2-2? Two, two? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I guess in today, it, once they ban... I guess once they ban It's Eldrazi, also pretty, pretty bad against Abrupt Decay. So when Jun decks are doing really well, this yeah. deck doesn't do that. This is worse. And yeah, I mean, th there are definitely problems the card has. No, it's really good, though. Because if, like, you, I mean, if like, you decay it, it just dies, right? Like It just basically makes it so like Splinter Twin can't beat Merfolk without right. just comboing out. I mean, Splinter Twin is no longer a deck, but right. blue-based Snapcaster and Mage Lightning Bolt decks can't so, beat Akira. For those of you that don't know what this card does, I think it's from Betrayers. Is that what the X, the X was? I think uh, maybe Mike currently has a modern master symbol of it. So I don't yeah, know. it's uh, it's blue, blue, colorless, legendary creature, spirit, two, two flyer creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability for the first time in a turn, counter that spell or ability. So pretty strong. I mean, powerful card. My number eight uh, is Threads of Disloyalty. 
Another card that just barely got cut from my list. Yeah. Uh, blue and blue and colorless. Uh, okay. Threads of Disloyalty. Uh, threads of Disloyalty can enchant only a creature with converted mana cost two or less. You control that enchanted creature. So okay. in this format, like, and this is definitely good more often when Tarmogoyf is really good. Right. But there are so many, like, especially before Splinterstone was banned, so much was inherently based on two drops. The format was all about two drops. And this is one of the most efficient ways to steal those two drops. And it's yours now, and now you have a Tarmogoyf, and they discarded I mean, a card. I mean, classically, stealing Tarmogoyf is really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's like usually like what this would come down to. Um, it's it's. I mean, this is like one of those cards that will forever be on the fringe, and like when the format rotates in this direction, this card will get good again. It's, I generally throw this into my sideboards if I have a matchup that I wish was slightly better against Jund and, and those kind of decks, okay. and also had some game because it's also not the worst against Affinity. There's like definitely some weird random matches that this is okay against. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly certainly a powerful card, just a little bit fringe. Um, but it's this is another one of those like in the way that we hate or I hate this set and this block. Um, this is a card that gets forgotten about. Like a lot of these cards, there's a lot of weird cards in, in Kamigawa block that just totally get forgotten about because people seem to have kind of a distaste for it. Right. It doesn't come up very often. Um, all right. So that and by is, people you mean. Myself. You. <laughs> I, I hate this. Um, I mean, like, uh, just like some examples of cards that are like, like Bushy Tenderfoot, for instance. Do you even know what that card does? Uh, does it let you put a land in the play from your hand? No. Okay, it's like one know. white for like a 1 1 or something. And I think when a creature dealt damage by it dies, it flips and turns into a legendary 3 4 double strike. So, like, in theory, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You're like, so, okay, I'd play this on turn one, and then a combat trick would flip this, and then I'd have a 3-4 double strike. Like, that's kind of the idea. Okay. But it's like, you have to jump through so many hoops yeah. to justify playing this 1-1-4-1 one, one, one that might just get 2-for-1 because... Well, my favorite example is there's the flyer that says, if you give this creature flying... It doesn't have flying, but if you give it, fl- flip it, and then all creatures have flying. Right. But if you have a thing that gives one card flying... Yeah, right. You're most likely fine already, or you're playing with a terrible card. Yeah, right. I mean, like, so they were they were trying to design for limited in some cases. I mean, like, seriously, there's a bunch of flip cards, and if you were to like, I have a archival knowledge of magic cards. Like, I think for the most part, you could name 85 percent of magic cards to me, and I could read you the text like off memory. Right? Like, I've done this game before with okay. girls I've dated, where I'm like, pull this decked app and scroll through a random search and name a card. I'll name it for you. Has that worked for you? It's worked well. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I usually win if you come across any one of the flip cards. That might be the only one that I can actually name. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just used it up. All right. All right. So, number seven. Um, Number seven, I went with Pithing Needle. Okay. Yeah. I mean, pretty classic sideboard card. Yeah. For those who don't know, Pithing Needle is one mana artifact that, as it enters the battlefield, name a card. And activated abilities of that name card can't be played unless they're mana abilities. Yeah, I have this slightly higher than you. Yeah, it's this is a this is one of those cards. It's super unexciting to have on this list, but like, it's really good. It's, a, it's been a huge role player in Magic's history since it was printed. It it's just showed like, up. It's in every format. It's it just really showed good. up in the El, in the Eldrazi sideboards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's was big there. It's good against a lot of different things. I'm trying to. Remember it's kind of a catch all because you can name something, and what it does is you can just play it early, knowing yeah. what your opponent's playing. It's one of the better removal spells against Planeswalkers. Like, there's just. So many random decks that this hoses that it's just a fine pl- card to play, and sometimes it's a house. You can also take out uh, Fetchland if you name it before they play it. Yeah. Yeah, which is not known by a lot of people, but if you nowadays with like a Taxian Probe being what it is, uh, it's totally, totally possible to just 
probe someone on turn one, <laughs> see their hand, see their fetch, play a pivoting needle, name the fetch, and just one mana LD, which is really, really, it's really, really good. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number seven. Okay. Desperate Ritual. Uh, that is my number six. Oh, cool. So we switched. So number six, your six is my six. Your six is my seven. My seven is your six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Desperate Ritual, one colorless, one red. Add three red mana to your mana pool. Splice onto the arcane for one and a red. That comes up a total of no times in the history. <laughs> it comes up once in a while because you could have two. come up before. Yeah. yeah, no, it's for sure come up. Because if you have two two Desperate Rituals in your hand, yeah. you can splice one onto the other one in Storm, and that's just good. Yeah. Um, it's getting a free card. But this is purely a Storm card. It sees play ninety nine point nine 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 percent in storm decks. Yep. Uh, if this was two years ago, this would be much higher on my list. It is lower now because yep. storm hasn't done super well in the last two years, especially since Infect got become immense. Right. Because um, all the pros is are like such a good card. Such a good card. <laughs> I'm like so. I'm so surprised that become immense didn't get like it didn't just okay. The first pro tour that it was legal, it was a big role player. Like all of the uh, I guess the what team is that? SCG? It's the SCG team? Channel Fireball. Played Infect. Channel Fireball, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Five of them played Infect, yeah, including, and, yeah. Including Finkel, Finkel. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that showed up, and that was the card. Now it's a staple in the deck. But it's just hilarious that when Become Immense was printed, the first thought everyone had and the first discussion on every thread wasn't just, this card is going to be stone-cold bonkers in Infect. That's yeah. what this is. Everyone's like, well, you don't need it because you already... Like six is a weird number <laughs> because you already you really want four because you already have yeah. two fours. So why do you need six? The other thing is, in in everyone's defense, everyone was a little softer on Delve than they should have been before, when when the set first yeah. came out. They were like, oh, but you you keep you don't want multiples. It's bad in multiples. When you look at Become Immense, it's really good. Yeah. But compare it to the blue Delve cards, yeah. and it's like. Almost garbage, well, which is insane with how good those blue cards are. I mean, to be to be totally fair to it, it it's not garbage. Garbage no, is a strong word because I've I would say not a card I had played with a whole lot aside from the testing we've done with Infect. Like that's where the card comes up. I mean, I, I talk every once in a while about Highlander Roulette and like building the decks that we build. And I just played against you the other day with this new green white all in sort of like double strikey kind of like green white stompy we'll call it deck. And that's one of the cards that in those top deck situations in a game where you're like. They're at 18. I can top deck this one card and it will be the key to dealing 18 in a turn with like three lands no, no, on the it's, table. It's really good. Like people, yeah, you can yeah. win totally. It's more of the point that, that like card. Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time are totally like, bonkers. Totally bonkers. Good. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but Become Mets is awesome. Yep. Uh, all right. What's your. Oh, we know this. Yours so we did our seven and our six, right? Yeah, mine was Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle is sweet. Nish, um, it's great. Oh, oh, last. My last little piece of trivia on Pithing Needle because I didn't know I was just going to get out of here. Trick and Mage can find it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, Trick and Mage can find it. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's also just... Eskin the, like, weird... There's, like, the trinket survival of the fittest. Right. Oh, what? Trinkle... Oh, 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 oh you're talking about uh, Artificer's Intuition? Yeah, yeah. Love that card. That card's sweet. Love that card. <laughs> think, did, did we both fight that card on the Mirrodin episode? Yeah, I think we end separately, and I think I won and you lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, number five. We're not in the top five. Top five, top five, top five. My number five card is Goryeo's Vengeance. Okay, mine's higher than that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I went Goryeo's Vengeance at number five. It's not a card that saw has seen play in the format aside from two different times a deck has gotten popular. Originally, the Fury of the Horde deck, um, which the Fury of the Horde Goryeo's Vengeance deck, which was like the first printing of I feel like this Brand. is the same deck. It's just... 
No, this now it's different now. The grizzle, the grizzle band versus yeah, because this one wins. This version of it wins with with the shoal. Well, there's now a new one then because there's the Grixis with Jace that just pl- doesn't well, okay, play. Okay, that's but so that's like the newest one. So that's the three versions then. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The Fury of the Horde one is from that was like a Magic Online four O list that like dominated a PTQ season. Like yeah, two or I lost to it ago. twice at uh at. I lo- sorry, I've lost to it twice in my tournament play, but once at GP San Diego, and it was very frustrating. Yeah, and it's powerful, but it was trying to use Fury of the Horde, which is like a free cold snap red spell that gives you an extra attack phase. Because yeah. um, you, you use Grizzlebrand the chain in just basically three attacks. Yeah, and then the second version of it is the, sh- the Nourishing Shoal version that would like exile a uh, worm to gain 15 life and then just a million cards with Grizzlebrand and all that. Sure, and now it just uses the fact that Jace is really good Jace is just so bonkers. That card's so good. Yep. Um, Especially with cards like these where you're putting stuff in your graveyard anyways and you want to looter and you want to be able to flashback spells that you may have discarded. It's just really good. Yeah. Really, right. really, really nuts. Um, so that is my card. Gory's Vengeance, for those that don't know, is uh, an arcane spell. Instant, one black, one colorless. Uh, return target legendary creature from your battle from your graveyard to the battlefield. Exile at end of turn. Right? Exile or sacrifice? Exile. Uh, yeah, XL. And you can splice on Arcane for two and a black. Yep. Fun fact. All right. My number five, Lava Spike. Okay. That's my number four. Okay. So one red, do three damage to target player. <laughs> it is an Arcane. I guess that's not relevant. <laughs> this is like when I say, like when you talk about in a vacuum, how poor, like how like poor the power level is on the card, that this is, is this high on our list. On the other hand... No, Burn's been... Yeah, and cards I mean, like this have seen play and burn forever. This card has seen play in exactly <laughs> one archetype ever and never will see play in another one. It's true. Just only it is effective for one reason and one reason only. If we return to a set where they use arcane and or splice onto arcane again, this will not ever happen. But if that were to happen, they, people still wouldn't play this. Well, what if it like was a great like enabler because it was a one drop? I don't know. This is not going a, a universe. To the dome, <laughs> going to the dome is only sorcery speed to the dome has never been good and will never be good. I do like how simple it is, though. Yeah, it's it, true. This might be one of the simplest magic cards ever printed. I'm also like super happy that it, it's hilarious to me that they reprinted this card, a common, in Modern Masters 1. Um, and despite the fact that they reprinted it at common in Modern Masters 1, I want to say it's still worth like four three bucks. or four, right? Yep. <laughs> it's like super funny. That's how popular Burn is as a deck yeah. and also how much Modern has grown since that reprinting because there's no, $4, there's no way the printing of this card at common in that set shouldn't have done anything other than make it like a 50 cent card. Right. But it there's been so much growth, people still just need the card. Yeah. All right, number four. Yep. What do you got? No, it's your turn. No, no, I just did my number four. No, I did, I did Lava Spike. That was my number four. Oh, 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 oh. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. Gifts on Given. Okay, that's my number two. Oh, okay. So Gifts on Given, for those who don't know. This is like... This was like the defining card from this set during Standard. Also, if you consider the... This is the most powerful card on the top tens. No question. But when you talk about the unique effect of a card... In, in, In Magic... As a whole, yeah, yes, like what? Not in modern, but in magic. Yeah, I mean it's close. I mean that's I have it. Number it doesn't. Two it doesn't see much play in modern. It hasn't. Like there has always been gifts decks that are fringe, but like yeah, there's never been a tier one gifts deck in modern. There was uh, for a little while early on in the format. There was one. Like, LS, er, well, LSV yeah, played. I would argue like early on in the format was 
there wasn't actually tiers that existed yeah, and people, people played understand. cards yeah. that they thought would be good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really difficult to resolve format of cards in modern. Like it's Even instant speed ones. Yeah. And this might change. I think gifts might be better now that Splinter Twin is no longer a deck. Yeah, I mean, it's just Especially tough. Especially because like, blue-red needs a like kind of thing to do now and playing gifts into stuff that like is slightly worse is yeah. something I can imagine being a thing. Well, the reason that it's so hard... So for, for those of you that don't know what it does it is an instant card for one blue and three colorless search your library for four cards with four different names uh your opponent separates them into two piles put one of those piles no you separate them into two piles no no, no. target opponent chooses two of those cards put those chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest in your hand then shuffle your library so there's so one of the cute tricks you can do is only tutor for two cards and they have to go to your graveyard so, so if you get unburial rights and a fat creature at end of turn, you can untap and immediately animate that creature. Right. Generally, Elish Norn, because yeah. she's nuts. Or Iona. Those are like the, the two, two main ones. Usual ones. So that's that's where the, that's the real power in modern is that effect, because that's like what this is used for. Right. Um, it's a really, really good card. It, it was great card in modern or in standard, and it can be a good card in modern to set up gifts packages. Like if you play, right. get, there's gifts control decks, like for instance, that would play. One damnation, one supreme verdict, one wrath of God, and one day of judgment in an Esper deck. Right, and you would guarantee two board wipes against a creature deck if you needed them. Yeah, like you can. So there's like things you can do like that, which is what makes this card same as Intuition, which is not modern legal. Interesting. Um, no, I I think there will always this deck will always be a a on the fringe deck tier two always, and yeah. then like. There is a possibility that in the future the right format exists where this is one of the best cards in the format. The reason that playing a card like this is so difficult... That just hasn't happened yet, so that's why it's on my number four versus my number two. Well, and I was going to say, the reason that playing this card or playing, say, like, Cryptic Command, which is, like, another one of the most powerful four-drop instants in the format... so The most powerful four-drop instant in the format? If you're playing against uh, Blue Deck with Counterspells... The format is so laden with instants that, first of all, you getting dispelled on, on this is such a bad feeling. It's a terrible feeling. Oh, but also Collected Company. There's some... I yeah. don't know. Collect, this isn't that different from a Collected Company. Getting remanded on this spell is a horrible feeling. Yeah. Because um, you do it at the end of their turn, so then they tap out, and on your turn, you get to cast it for, without any counter magic up. And lastly... If they're not playing counter spells, they're probably doing something aggressive enough that waiting till turn four to play your haymaker card that's not going to actually have an effect until turn sure. five is too slow. That's why you're playing Snapcaster Mage Lightning Bolt to shut up their early turn. Well, when it wins a GP, we can. I'm gonna play Gift Snap. I don't know why I'm defending your two. <laughs> I have a number two. Yeah. All right. So number number four, you you did yours. I had the lava spike. Yeah. All right. So number three. So my number three is Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. Oh. Is that your number one? It's higher than number three. <laughs> I'm uh, keeping Kiki. my mystery alive. You don't know. <laughs> um, wow. What's your num- did you not include? Okay. What? You're going to be, you're going to enjoy my number three. <laughs> Go. I, I can't wait. So Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker is two red, 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 legendary creature, goblin shaman haste. Put a creature token into play. It's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control. That creature token has haste, sacrifice it, sit at the end of turn. It is a two, two. He's right. also a legendary creature, Goblin Shaman. I don't know if I said that. Yeah. So sweet. He's Splitter Twin, the creature. Yes. Uh, but the interesting thing about Kiki Jiki, what some people do not realize, is that it refers to a creature you control, which means it cannot be spell scattered. Uh, which is bum bum bum. No, that's super relevant. That's always yeah. been that's always been with Kiki Jiki. Like when you when you would consider yourself back in the old days before they stopped playing Kiki Jiki and Splinter Twin, like they used to play, they'd play four Splinter Twin, and two, two Kiki Jiki. 
then it got it was like we don't need to do this there's no reason so they stopped but it used to be that you would know okay i have to be able to kill a kikijiki because this spell sky not going to save me if they resolve kikijiki right um something also important with kikijiki is because it's not an enchantment that goes on creatures it works really well with restoration angel right which is arguably the best one of the creatures that can do this effect because it's a three four flying angel that gains value when it comes into play with flash <laughs> yeah well i mean kiki like so so yeah that, i mean that's yeah. that's the other in, in you know infinite deck is the kiki resto deck um the, the thing well, about- and that's what kiki court plays generally is it plays like a combination of everything like there's definitely kiki jiki decks will always be good and kiki court right now is really good yeah i've always been i've always been the person who feels that despite the fact that splinter twin cost four and kiki jiki cost five I would never argue that Kiki Jiki is the better card, but when you're talking about just like power well, level in a rougher. vacuum, I always have preferred Kiki Jiki because I hate the idea that I have to play a sorcery speed four mana aura to make that work. Whereas Kiki Jiki is just good with lots of things, and it's at least a creature that can attack for two as right. a top. One of my favorite decks I've ever had was my blue white red Jeskai Kiki Angel deck, and I had like Wall of Omens that I would just like sometimes it's yeah. just Kiki Jiki on wall for like a couple turns and draw all the removal spells to kill them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, and the, one of the reasons he's slightly better than Splinter Twin, and I do think it's possible once the Eldrazi ban happens that we'll see Kiki Jiki decks. Yeah. Like the old blue red Splinter Twin decks, but just with Kiki Jiki on turn five, is that he's better against um, most removal spells because you're not right. getting two for one. You're yeah. just getting one for one. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, he's slightly worse against Lightning Bolt theoretically. Yeah. But other than that, he is pretty sweet. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think Kiki's great, and, and this card has historically been. Good and fun and funny that they decided to print it as like one of the. This was like one of the chase rares in Modern Masters one. It was the and mythic two. in both. It was the red mythic for both. Yeah, the non-cycle red mythic. Now, do we know why they did that? Is that because there isn't a better one? I think there are maybe arguably better ones now, but at the time, especially there weren't. What other? What's a better red mythic? Well, now when we go to Zendikar, it'll be Guide. But before no, that, Guide Guide isn't. Mythic? The mythic, I don't think they'll shift it to mythic. I, no, that's that feels much more like a uh, noble hierarch kind of reprint. I think uh, the f- all spells in your graveyard have flashback from Innistrad. Past in flames. Pa- well, past in flames is a mythic. Yeah, but again, that's a card that. But the, it's like it, it, it's like a twelve dollar card. Yeah, now but they like I can see them printing it at mythic. Like they don't. Every mythic doesn't have to be a fifteen dollar card. Kiki Jiki is a is a twenty four dollar card now, I guess, but that it went up also because of the banning. The banning? Of I, I just mean like it's when your mythics should be like pretty. I guess they they printed Comet Storm, so yeah. No, yeah. like the problem with red is that red generally doesn't have isn't good at mythic. Yeah, true. Okay, um, that's fair. I mean, so yeah, maybe Pass in Flames just because it's like part of the Storm package. Yeah, and I can see. Um, there's one other red one I've talked to someone about. Uh, Eidolon. Of great rebels, but because it's be like a cool one. enchantment slash. Yeah, one. that'll yeah, be yeah. a modern masters card, but that'll be a modern masters twenty nineteen, at least. Maybe I don't right? know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. If would it be that soon, or would it be? Well, I think like through the breach, like you talked about before. I think now that's something that I can see them coming out as a mythic. Yeah, it does something really, really sweet. So I can see that being a mythic rare. Yeah. Fully. Um. All right. So my number three. All right. Sacred tribe elder. You put the current tribe elder on here. Yeah. All right, fair. I mean, it's I guess it's, he's playing one deck in modern. So he's playing 
One deck and multiple modern. versions of Scapeshift decks. <laughs> it seems play okay. There have been three versions of the deck. So for those who don't know what Sacred Tribe Builder, it is green and a colorless for a guy named Sacred Tribe Builder. He is a creature snake shaman. He has sacrificed Sacred Tribe Builder for free. Search your library for a basic land card and put that card into play tap to then shuffle your library. He is it, a one one. It's a, so in the old days when you could put damage on the stack, Sakura Tribe Builder was a total all star. Card was insane. Like that was like the, one of the best commons ever printed. Now it's just really, really good. It's this just, is a weak field, and like you put it at number two. Yeah, it, it's rampant growth. No, number that, three. It's rampant growth that blocks. It's number three. Oh, because I jumped ahead to my number two. Yeah, it's rampant growth that blocks one time. Yeah, in a deck that's really good when you do that, <laughs> it does everything that deck wants to do. You want a fog. You want to ran a ramp. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Like. And he's and like I would argue he's probably underplayed in other decks. I think you could probably play this in like any type of deck that's trying to ramp with basics. You could play this. Okay, in Highlander Roulette, which has the massive card availability pool, huge availability, six hundred cards between six decks. Yeah, I'm playing him. I have zero Sakura Tribal. Yeah, I thought that was a mistake. I like argued against you for like ten <laughs> minutes the other week about how you should probably be playing this card. No, and what you have to have a deck that wants to be ramping. Do you have a Scape Shift in any of your decks? No. Well, that's a mistake as well. Yeah, I just don't have a deck for it. Do you have a deck with mountains and forests? Not enough. Could you add a few more mountains? No, my decks are good. They play three colors, not two. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> you, the people on the internet can't hear. All right, now, number two. What's your number two? I just told you, Gifts. Oh, okay. Mine is Gore's Vengeance. Okay, so we already talked about Gore's Vengeance. So I want to know what your number one is because it's clearly not on my list. Uh, you know what my number no, one is. No, no, no. So Gore's, first, let me talk about Gore's Vengeance. is okay. number two. Uh it's really hard for me to talk about a card that I think should be banned out of the format or have argued should be banned out of the format. I don't necessarily believe that anymore, but I have argued it many times. Uh, isn't in the top two cards on my list. Like, I couldn't put it below that. It, like, this is a card that often is talked about as one of the most broken cards in the format, and we right. can't say that and then not put it at the top of the list from a set that's pretty underpowered. I put it at five. <laughs> it's arguably more powerful than some of the other cards I put on here. My one thing with Goria's Vengeance is that it's... The fact that it you're limited to uh, you're, the fact that you're limited to legendary creatures and the creatures gone. Yeah, but turn. legendary creatures known as Emrakul and Grizzlebrand, the two biggest things ever printed. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose this should be higher for me, considering that considering that my number one is a similar effect, and this is just like if you look at the legacy equivalent to this deck, which is the um, um, reanimate. No, no, reveal a card and it comes into play. You each put a card into play. Show and tell. Show and tell. The show and tell decks, which yeah. is comparable, like the best possible cards to reanimate are both legendary creatures or the both ones that bring in play my point is null and void it should be higher on my list (laughs) (laughs) uh and my number what was your number one through the breach oh my was kiki jiki wait yours was through the breach yeah really through the breach was your number one and not goryo's vengeance i i know Uh i was gonna say i struggle i struggled to figure (laughs) out what my number one should be but my my argument was that it to me it feels like goryo's vengeance will like i was just valuing the the legendary thing too much because realistically through the breach you want to be putting legendary things into play. like. But Through the Breach, I feel like, has seen play in more versions of more decks over Modern's history than Gorilla uh, I don't. Has. I don't think either... I don't, I don't think there's been a single deck where both of them weren't seeing play in the same deck. No, there was, because there used to be the Through the, Bre- the, Through the Breach Tron decks. That was a whole entire season of Modern. Uh, that was a whole season. Yeah. And it was, was good. Like not as good as regular and, Tron. And like the Through the Breach decks now that play Primeval Titan. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. Through Maybe the breach is more versatile. Okay. That's why I like yeah, the yeah. breach. It doesn't require you to jump it's through fairer, as many. It's fairer, though, which is why it's not as... It costs five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the one that costs two. Sometimes it costs four. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, I will agree that that should have probably been my number three slot. Through the breach? Yeah, I'll give you I that. I don't know how you put it at nine. The cards you put ahead yeah, of it. Yeah. How do you put Desperate Ritual ahead of Through the Breach? Because that card's really... Like, rituals are all good. Any yeah. ritual is going to be on a top ten list because yeah. Storm... Uh, all right, my number one, Kiki Jiki. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, we just talked about it. Yep, it's only really... mythic red that's <laughs> apparently good. <laughs> yeah, it's number three for me. I mean, I thought about putting it at number one, but I was just like, it's just has historically only been good in like one context as the not as good. That's version. not true. Like, like the the amount of decks that Kiki Jiki has been like a, a piece of has actually been pretty wide because you have Splitter Twin decks, you have the old Kiki Jiki Birthing Pod decks, you have the now Kiki Cord decks, you okay. have Blue White Red decks, you have Grixis ones. Like, yes, generally the idea is he's going to go infinite, right. but a lot of the times he's also used as just a value play creature that's really good. Right. Versus Splitter Twin, which like you argued didn't deserve to think to be as high as I put it on our list when we did red cards. Yeah, I, just have uh, such a, I, have, I, have, a, I have a conflicted relationship to that whole idea. Clearly. Which I think you're wrong about, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beyond that, Kikijiki is a more versatile card than that is, Fair. which is why you like it more. Yeah. You talked about that already. Yep. All right. Um, so can I, we all agree that Kikijiki is probably the best card in the set? Yeah. I mean, what? I had it at number three and... Versus through the breach. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, this is this is a, such a like a less refined top ten than some of the ones we do. Because you hate Kamigawa Blocks. Because I hate Kamigawa <laughs> so much. But I can count on one hand you know the number of... Oh, so the reason we're doing this this week is because you can draft it right now. Yeah. Right now, the whole set is available I'll on Moto. I'll definitely be doing that. I did it. No, I did it. The only... The only time I've drafted on stream successfully so far, I did Kamigawa, triple Kamigawa. Was it fun? Uh, no. It was, <laughs> I did not know it. I it lost was... in the first round. I made some green-white deck that had, I think, four of the fog that's in this set. Oh, main nice. deck. Because <laughs> I was uh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Was it Curtain of Light? Is that the one? No, it's 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 just an arcane fog. I don't know what it's called. Okay. <laughs> it's one mana white fog. You love fogs. You're I do a... love fogs. Yeah. But I like to, to be totally honest, I just got cut because I didn't know how to read singles in a set that I didn't know what the singles would be. Well, thank goodness you didn't end up with just like a deck full of snakes. I wanted that was my attempt. Yeah. I, I had snakes. I was white green snakes, which is apparently not a thing. Sashiro or something like that. Snakes are sweet. Yeah. Snakes there's are there's the like sweetest. an uncommon lore. See, like this set would be so cool if it was like Tribal snakes, tribal rats, and you have like ninjas and samurai, and just like oh, that's oh, sweet. Oh, 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 we forgot to mention that actually ninjutsu is really cool. Ninjutsu is oh, yeah, yeah. the one that's the one mechanic in this set. Well, even 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 Bushido, which is the samurai mechanic, yeah. it's not it's not exciting, but it's not it's just it's, it's just like a a great role player. Like Wizards has said, like if we didn't name this Bushido, we'd probably have reprinted it a bunch now. It's the the reason Bushido is. Okay, Bushido is so, like a fine limited mechanic. Well, Bushido is Bushido X, and whenever it blocks or gets blocked, it gets plus X, which is just yeah. like, I'm better when I'm fighting creatures. Yeah. Cool. It's, but it's, Ninjetsu is super sweet because you replace the creature that is about to do damage, and then yeah. you can get cool like triggers. I think Ninjutsu... I, I would love to go to a set with Samurai Ninjas. Yeah, uh, Ninja of the Deep Hours. They brought Ninjutsu back in Plane Chase once, I think. Yeah, yeah. And th that was successful. Because Ninjutsu is cool. I mean, there was that Ninja Bear Delver deck that was really yeah, yeah. Travis Wu was playing. And I had the Ninja Bear... That was on my like list at one point, and it got cut because that's not a real deck. Yeah. But it's cool, I, but it's not... Ninja of the Deep Hours, yeah. you mean? 
Yeah, he was on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cool though. So that that actually is Ninja sweet. Ninja Two is a sweet mechanic. It does like just like an all Ninja deck is sweet because you like basically just keep rebuying attack triggers. Ooh, are some of the ninjas rogues also? Could we make some sort of ninja rogue? I don't deck? think they are. <laughs> oh, I would love to call my deck ninja rogue. Um, All right, so <laughs> we're gonna do our top five. Uh, our five most underplayed cards. Okay, so you've won all of these, and I I've feel like there's. I feel like there's something a little unfair here, which is that I feel like what ends up happening is that because it's random, which card is fighting against which card. Sometimes you get the benefit of the doubt, and you just get lucky. And then also, I actively try to pick cards that are worse and, and sweeter. That's that's objective. <laughs> you I always would, pick cards that are like, well, this has seen a little bit of play, but not enough play, and I'm always like survivor of the unseen or like you're like you know what i mean like you there's maybe maybe a few of those guys this year. you end up being like you end up being like yeah but the the ones that i do pick even if that's true the they're sweet when they you, you end up being thing. like you end up being like uh i'm gonna choose delay and i'm like i'm gonna choose sage of epitier like that's like what ends up happening you it's need like, to pick better cards it's not my fault of all the blue cards you pick sage of epitier sweeter cards <laughs> and sage of epitier is unbelievable do you know how sweet the deck i've been messing around with this by the way how sweet a deck would be with like i'm, I'm gonna just take a nap you no, talk listen Ethervile, <laughs> counterbalance sage of epitier fairy imposter quickling uh void mage prodigy and I feel like there was one other card that came to mind for me. I feel like I shouldn't help you, but you probably should play that fairy lord. Yeah. Because uh, you're playing a bunch of fairies, and you probably should be black and A play. couple fairies, but like, think about how, and then like Spellster Sprite, like think about how sweet it is when somebody tries to cast something <laughs> and you have, you have active vile and counterbalance on the table to flash in Sage of Epitier and look at the top four to get a counterbalance trigger. And then because Fairy Imposter is like a two one for one flying or like quickly returns it, you can then like end of turn either Vile or flash one in to like get the Epitier back to your hand. So for this to work, you need to get three different cards, <laughs> have them all not die, and one of them actively doesn't do anything it, unless you have the combo going Fetch on. lands, okay, with Sage of Epitier. Seems really good to me. It's no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm saying, I'm saying counterbalance. Counterbalance doesn't do anything unless you have a top. I think that there's more here than you're admitting, but uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> we've right. already done the let's, blue section and Sage already lost. So let's, <laughs> let's move to this week's and stop complaining because I'm obviously like sweeter cards than you do. I have one that I really hope wins because it's, right. and I think it's super. My, you know, I always do mine just purely alphabetically. Do you? Or no, I do it by converting mana cost. Are you I don't just, know. You're probably just saying that to mess with me. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. Okay. All right. So who's gonna go first? Um, I will go first. You'll go first. Yeah, you're 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 the challenger. I'm, I'm current Shit, reigning champ. Get out of here. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we have the top five most underrated cards that should see more play that don't see enough play from Kamigawa Block. And Starting this- off round one. Ben Bateman. You will find these on our Twitter at the MMCast. You will need to vote on them yes. in the next 24 oh, hours. Oh, you can actually extend them by days. So all, I'm going to actually have three days of voting this time. So I'm it's not just the one day. I'm in the for three meals right now. Yeah. Yeah. You still haven't bought me a meal. Yeah. Hopefully I can get it up. down to two right now. All right. Uh, all right. So card number one. My turn. Round one. Fight. Footsteps of the Goreo. Okay. One black, two colorless. This better card than I usually choose. Sorcery, arcane, return target creature card from your graveyard to play. Sacrifice that creature at end of turn. Uh sacrifice at end of turn, first of all, is something very, very important to remember here. It's not exile. So anything that has an enter the battlefield and a die trigger, so let's just pretend, for instance, that somehow you managed to just, I don't know, put Ashen Rider into your graveyard. Ashen Rider is the one you're picking here? I'm just saying, like, just think about cards that have enter and die triggers. Like, on turn three, you get to just, like, double Stone Rain. 
like with just playing footsteps, like that seems really good. Now it doesn't get haste, so you don't get the attack. So you have to look for things like you could you could do some crazy shenanigans with possibly uh, Revelark. I don't know. Anyone? Okay. All right. And Protean Hulk. You can just win with Protean Hulk. No, no, you you're done. You can't talk anymore. All right. Shh. <laughs> the Protean Hulk deck wins. No, no, it's a real sh- thing. Yeah, we're yeah. All, we're, right, we're, uh, all right. My number one. You ready? Yeah. Besiju who shelters all. Oh, that's this is a legendary land. Besiju who shelters all comes into play tapped. Pay two life. Add one to your mana pool if that mana is spent on an instant or sorcery spell. That spell can't counter by spells or abilities. So this card is sweet with all of the spells. All of the this spells. This card sees play. <laughs> like in Scape Shift, you can play it. <laughs> if you're playing against counter magic, it's so cool. I just I can't talk. Like it's it should be in every deck. That has spells that you don't want to be countered. <laughs> it's right here, but it was like in my honorable mentions for actual cards. Not yeah, interesting I mean, that's cards. how it got in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This card's sweet. Legendary Land, Busy Juice Shelters All. It's like the best. Does it win? Does it win the game on its own? It actually can kill you <laughs> on its own. Footsteps of the Gorio can kill you on its own. No, yeah, we're, we're past that. We're, on, we're on round two. All right, fine. All right, round two. Fight. Fight. You're going first. Erio Soratami Ascendant. One of those ugly flip cards that I've mentioned. Uh, <laughs> one blue, one colorless, flying, one one legendary creature, Moonfolk Monk. Whenever the fourth spell of a turn is played, flip Erio Soratami Ascendant. It then immediately flips over into Erio's Essence, which is a legendary enchantment that reads, counter the first spell played by each opponent each turn. This card is actually sweet. People have tried to build blue versions of Affinity that play this card and then empty their hand and then just have a I counter the first spell you play every turn enchantment, which is really powerful. There's enough free spells and cheap spells between Mishra's Bobble and Gataxian Probe you can play now. Uh, actually getting this thing active is not that crazy. This probably almost fits into like a Death Shadow type of deck. So I think it's good. Yeah? What? Okay, sure. No, no, so, so Ether yeah. Storm Candidus also locks someone out with it. That's something also cool you can do with this card. Oh, because it can't. Infinity, you have both. Yeah. So you, they can't cast a spell ever again. Okay, and with Ether Sworn Candidates, Dorial's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. This card You're is welcome. borderline. I'm going to give you a pass. Playable. You take that pass. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, mine. Time of Need. This is one green, one okay. colorless sorcery. Search your library for a legendary creature card. Reveal it and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. I love tutor cards. This lets you get every legendary creature you want. You want to get that Sorani thing you're talking about? You can get it. You want to get Cure Glass Spinner? You can get it. You want to get any legendary creature of all time? You can grab it with this card. Yeah, it's time of you needs. You get the nice toolbox, toolbox game plan going. Toolbox. Toolbox. Uh, yeah, time of needs really sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. All, all right. right. Who turn? wins? Time of need or the... I can't say it. So we'll do the countdown of all of these no, cards. No, no, but we say it at the end. What's, what was yours? Oh, uh, Iraio Soratami Ascended. Yeah, or Time of Need. Which one wins the round two? All right, round I three. Hate, even, even hate that name. Um, all right, round three. Fight, my card. I am going to choose Time of Need. Time of Need is one green, one colorless. For a sorcery, search your library for a legendary creature. Put it in your hand. Kessler just sold you on this card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this card is sweet. This card is totally everything. I, there's so many good legendary cards. that It only costs two. It's a great tutor. It's underplayed. It gets Kiki Jiki. That's the one you didn't mention that is the most relevant legendary creature pretty much you can get. Um, it's probably relevant that you can get Emrakul or Gristlebrand, but more than likely, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of really, really good legendary creatures that can be gotten in modern that are very powerful. So I like Time of Need a lot. It doesn't see enough play. People get close sometimes playing it. Not quite. Very good. That is my card. Kessler, what do you got? Kessler's number three. Footsteps of the Gorio. <laughs> okay, sell, sell it. 
What was the card you mentioned? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, no. You got to tell me. <laughs> Protean Hulk? Protean Hulk. All right. You get Protean Hulk back, you win the game. <laughs> so basically, Protean Hulk, what it says is when it dies, you can put any amount of creatures from your deck into play equal to eight. Six. Six. Yeah. Um, and there's a very specific amount of cards that lets you win the game. There's a combination of like body double and... It's like body double. Oh, no, it's like, just body double, and that that's it. And then body double can bring that back, and then it sacks itself, and then it's just an infinite loop. Yes. That's what it is. Cool. So there we go. Some stuff with Revelark I think you have to do, but I can't remember exactly. It's but I, I've seen it happen before. It wins instantly if yeah, it's yeah. undisrupted. So that's that's a real thing. Yeah, it's the best. It's sweet. That's my number three. <laughs> All right. My number four. How did I forget that card? I remember you. <laughs> uh, All right. Your number four. My number four is Iganjo Castle. Yeah. Um, this is a legendary land that saw play in the beginning of the format. No, it's um, with Geist every time. Yeah. When Geist sees Nobody play. Nobody plays Geist anymore, but they used to. Uh, and they will again. It is a legendary land. Tap. Add one white to your mana pool. One white and tap. Prevent the next two damage that we built to target legendary creature this turn. Um, most importantly, it is an untapped white source that comes into play on turn one, as well as the fact that it is a land that taps to prevent the two damage to guys that would happen if they blocked. So it is, makes it very difficult to kill your guys to St. Traft um, or any other legendary creature that you think is particularly good. It's uh, not usually going to protect a, a uh, Kiki-Jiki because at the time that you resolve Kiki-Jiki, you probably don't have the extra two to protect it with this. But sometimes, and it's powerful, the fact that it combos so well with Geist is very relevant. So It's kind um, of the point. Yeah. It's like it makes him unstoppable. It's yeah. really fun. It's really good. All right, my number four, Knight of Souls Betrayal. This is a legendary enchantment, black, black, two colorless. Uh, legendary enchantment. I said that already. All creatures get minus one, minus one. It's really yep. good. One of the sweet things that this card does do is if you're able to make their lands into creatures as one ones, right. you just kind of start their lands to death. Uh, another the sound really of all of their lands dying. Yeah, uh, that's what sound, lands sound like when they die. I don't know if anyone knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the really cool things you can do with it. Another cool thing you can do is just kind of lock some people out of the game. <laughs> it's really, it was pretty good against Splinter Twin decks also because it either killed um, the 2-1... Uh, Pestermite? Pestermite and or made it so their Exarch couldn't kill you. So it was really good in that situation. Yep. Um, so just as a sideboard card, it's been pretty good, but also sometimes just your opponent can't beat it. Seems powerful. Yep. Yep. Like Affinity. Rex Affinity. All right. Your turn. Before I do my final one, I just I just want to point out, like, I think it's so bizarre. You know, I do, I'm, like, slowly but surely building my Twitter following. Like, slowly, okay. right? And I do, like, a lot of stuff in different worlds of entertainment and sure. like, gaming media. But, like, I think that literally half of, I, I'm over a thousand Twitter followers now, finally. And I think half of my followers are magic cards. Like, with this. Like, oh, I, m- most of mine are. Yeah, but like I do like a ton of like on camera stuff, like, like sports. I do entertainment. Sure. Like you should be doing this in the Twitter section and stop stalling about bringing up your number five. What's your number five? <laughs> all, right, all right, sorry, sorry. Number five, my number five card, which is I think my sweetest one, and a card I'm gonna say it. I guarantee you're gonna have no idea what this card is, but it should win. A card called Toshiro Umezawa. You know what that is? Does he have a GTA? No. Well, I think that he is the guy, yes. <laughs> but yeah. But he doesn't have it. In the, I don't think he has it in the picture, right? Yeah. I don't know. Do tell me what he does. He has a sword. All right. Black, black, colorless, 2 2 legendary creature, human samurai, Bushido 1. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from play, you may play target instant card in your graveyard. If that card would be removed, would be put in a graveyard this turn, removed from the game instead. How much does he cost? Three for a 2 2 Bushido 1. 
He's a 2-2 two, two for 3 that if you kill one of your opponent's creatures, he Snapcaster Mage is one of your instants. That's pretty sweet. He's a reusable Snapcaster if you can find a way to consistently kill your opponent's creatures. He's a 2-2? Two, two? For 3. I mean, he dies to Lightning Bolt. He's not like, this, this okay. is not a staple. But like the <laughs> fact that like I, I, when I discovered this card fairly recently, had never heard of it. And you clearly have never heard of it. Yeah, I don't even know the card existed. Is... It's Umazawa. I don't understand how this is not a card that people know about. Umazawa's Jite, ever heard of that card? I mean, is it? he's the guy from the art, right? He's like bald and has like a ponytail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, pretty sweet, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. I'll give you that. What are you going to beat me with? Another legendary creature. Okay. He has maybe also found a Jite once or twice. Okay. Goto Bandit Warlord. Oh my goodness. Legendary creature, human barbarian. He costs six mana, five and a red. When <laughs> Goto Bandit Warlord play. comes into play, you may search your library for an equipment card and put it into play. If you do, shuffle your library. When Goto attacks for the first time each turn, untap it and all other samurai you control. After this phase, you get an additional combat phase. You know what he's really good with? What? Batter Skull. He's really, really Cause, powerful. Because Batterskull also has Vigilance, so he gets to play with the uh, the second attack step. Yeah, Batterskull's really, really good. Um, I mean, it costs Here's six. The deal. It's yes, a but, three, but three for six. we can cast six. six drops now that we no longer have to worry about Splinter Twin killing us. I mean, it's a six-six. That It's a six-mana three-three. It gets right, but bolted. Play like, play like, yeah, but you have the Batterskull in play still. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets you Batterskull. I'll give you that. Okay, yeah, yeah. You get the batter skull. Yes, yeah. they can bolt Goto. Who cares? You use it as a you put it at the top end of a control deck. You just just like like a Snapcaster Mage. She just comes in at the end, and you just, bam, you win because you have batter Isn't skull. Isn't just playing a batter skull better than playing Goto? No, because you also have the three three, so it's way better against Colgan's command. Oh, that's true. That's true. We're playing in that Highlander tournament this weekend, and one of the prizes is foil, foil Colgan's command and something. I think it's like foil gifts, maybe. I don't know. Or something sweet. It's like the third prize. Like third place gets that. Yeah. Which is awesome. I was talking to Eric and he was talking like because he didn't buy them when the announcement yeah. happened. So he actually got wrecked on two cards because I they think like Colo went up a yeah. lot. Uh, uh, and but he lo- he gained some money on Emerkel going down. Yeah. Foil, uh foil from so about that was, twenty Jaces. So that's number five. What was your pick? Uh, my number five was Toshiro Umazawa. All right, mine was Goto Bandit Warlord. So yeah. that's the top five Kamigawa picks. Uh, why don't we walk through them? Number one, Bosiju versus Footsteps of the Goryeo. Number two, Time of Need versus Arayo Soratami Ascendant. Number three, Footsteps of the Goryeo versus Time of Need. It's like the like the the, <laughs> yeah, the, the one f- we shared. Uh, number four, Knight of Souls Betrayal versus Iganjo Castle. And number five, Goto Bandit Warlord. Versus Toshiro Umazawa. Now, as a reminder, if you go to Twitter, you get to vote on these. And that's how we decide who wins, and we'll announce the winner next week. Uh, there'll be two days, so I'll, we'll generally we launch the voting on Wednesday. And by Friday, it should be closed. That's your chance to vote and see which one of us wins a dinner. And see how silly Kessler is for choosing Goto Bandit Warlord. To be fair, it was my number six, and I barely Godo cut versus, it. I feel like I'm with... Like, I feel like I've got that. I feel like I'm a little bit you more afraid of other rounds. You think that Toshiro Umazawa is going to lose? Yeah, it's, to Goto Bandit Warlord. People love that guy. He's I the, love that Toshiro's guy. Toshiro's like an actually borderline playable black Snapcaster Mage. Goto Bandit Warlord is a actually playable red Stoneforge Mystic. My card costs three. Yours costs six. Yeah, my card gets a batter skull. <laughs> my card can... You you have to you have to play your card. It has to survive a turn, and then you have to kill a thing your opponent has. And then you get a spell out of your graveyard. It seems sweet. <laughs> it, has Bushi- it has Bushido, too. That's, that's, that's <laughs> fun. Mine's riding a warthog. <laughs> Mine is the guy that owns the Jite. 
my guy is holding some spears. <laughs> Three of them. Yeah. My well. guy owns the batter skull. <laughs> all right. Fair. Fair all enough. Right, all right. So that's it for, for today's episode. That does it. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everyone, please check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. Yes, please. They are sweet. They do um, awesome stuff. Please make sure to keep your eyes out. This week is GP Detroit. Uh, so we're going to be actually finding out what the modern format if there's any chance that we can beat the Eldrazi. I'm currently at no. You'll be there. I'm going to be there. You're going to be at GP Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're if, if you're going. at GP Detroit, you should come find me and say hi. I'm going to be hanging out, walking around. Only on day one, though. I would also be there if my mother were not coming into town. No. My mom was coming into Los Angeles. You love your mom? I have to Lame. take care of my mom. Um, otherwise, I would be in Detroit. But uh, we will be, I think, based on the success of support from you guys helping us out das with Patreon. Patreon. I think that like I need to look at the levels because it's been a second. But I want to say that... The $1,000 mark is we go places. Are you sure? Yep. I thought it was higher than that for some reason. But uh, whatever it is, I, I believe there's there's a level that gets us to a point where you and I attend all of the oh, modern... Both of us going is, I think, 3000 yeah. If we get to 3000 a month eventually, then you and I will be at every modern Grand Prix. We're also going to start streaming podcasts live. live. And we're going to do like live We're already going to do audio. We already have to do audio live. Yeah, we're going to do like live actual podcasts, though, which is a cool I thing. Almost, I almost had us do this one live, but I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Next one. Maybe. Super Maybe sweet. Maybe not. All right. So we want to thank you guys for listening. As always, um, make sure to follow us on Twitter. And that's where you get the photo in the contest. That is at the MMCast. I am personally at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media. And uh, make sure to check out the Patreon. Make sure to check out our sponsor, Grimoire Deck Boxes from WizardryFoundry.com. You can actually get in a raffle to get a cool 3D printed one. Yeah. Uh, make sure to check out the Command Zone. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>